0: doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Monday. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my husband, and business partner, Kirk Reed. And we are bringing in the new year, bringing in the new year, excuse me, with uh, some information for you on the second stimulus package that was passed right before the holiday here, titled the Appropriations Act of 2021. Normally, these... Um, Normally, like Congress gives these laws, you know, uh,
1: like a cute acronym.
0: Yeah, I was gonna know. say, yeah, like a a cheeky little acronym there. Mm-hmm. Like the CARES Act was. Oh, I, I'm gonna forget what it, but it stood. C A R E S. Oh my gosh, I forget what it stands for. But this one is does not have. Maybe they didn't have time well, to. There's so many
1: of the them these days. It's hard, to, it's hard to. It's hard to keep up. Yeah. Corona, yeah, the
0: Secure act, Coronavirus the secure act Aid an of... Relief and
1: Economic Security.
0: Yeah, okay, thank you. And the secu- the one before that, the Secure Act, was uh, an acronym. They probably most of them are. But anyway, yeah, I was like one setting thing. every. To my citizen, knowledge, yeah, to my knowledge appropriations yeah. is not an acronym, it's just the Appropriations Act. Um, Okay. So a few other things, well, lots of other things um, to touch on, but one of them that is sort of pertinent to our business. Well, we, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, that one thing that's not in the second stimulus package is the coronavirus related qualified distributions. That is not in here. In other words, in 2020, people could there were there, it was it was more tax efficient for people to draw money out of retirement accounts than it was in normal years so people under the age of 59 and a half for example could draw money out and avoid the 10% penalty if it was a coronavirus related qualified distribution which essentially meant if you could prove that you were Directly impacted by COVID nineteen, you could qualify for this tax efficient draw of up to one hundred thousand from retirement accounts, and and on, and also you can roll the money back in to completely avoid taxes. But you had three years to do it. Normally, it's just sixty days. Um, you could spread the taxes out over three tax years. So notably, that is not in the appropriations act. But so so in other words, that's that's behind us. The coronavirus coronavirus related qualified distributions are now behind us for 2020 but what is in the appropriations act is qualified disaster distribution so it's the same thing except it ex i believe it specifically excludes coronavirus as uh, a reason to qualify in other words the qualifications are that you have to live you have to have a principal residence in a federally declared disaster area. So examples would be like if there was a flood in your area or a hurricane or some sort of a natural disaster and and the federal government declared it a federal disaster and you had a principal residence there, you could qualify for essentially the same tax efficient way to access money in retirement accounts, Um, but it's not related to coronavirus. So, but but the tax benefits are the same. So say for example, you God forbid live in an area of the world where there's an awful flood and it's declared a disaster area by the federal government, then you can, you know, so so very similar to coronavirus related qualified is you can access money in retirement, even if you're under fifty-nine and a half, you can avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty. You do still have to pay uh, federal and state, if applicable, income taxes. Uh, you have up to three years to roll the funds back in. If you do it in a future tax year, you have to amend your taxes. But uh, you also have you can also elect to spread the taxes due out over three years. So it's it's still the same unique sort of tax efficient ways to access money in retirement. Same as it's. I think it's the same language as in the coronavirus related qualified distributions and the same cap of hundred thousand dollars. But it's not for coronavirus. It is for it is if you are in a qualified disaster area. Did I miss anything on that?
1: No, I was looking at it as you were as you were talking. I think that I mean, that pretty much covers it.
0: And unfortunately, I just, I don't know if it's global warming or what, but unfortunately we just, we seem to hear about natural disaster after natural disaster in different areas of the world and in the country. And I guess in the country specific as it relates to this, but that's awful that, you know, it's nice that they were being a little bit proactive in this regard, but
1: and I'm sure, it's I'm sure, quite I'm sure that awful
0: you, that we have to think about that.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there's more than we even realize because I mean, we're so focused on our own our own issues with the, you know, the coronavirus and everything else going on. So I'm sure there's more than we even realize.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's, I, that's just a little, probably enough on that one. Um, I don't know how common, I guess I don't know how common that will be in, until, unless we have a natural disaster in our area or federal disaster. Okay. So I guess let's get into PPP. There's a second round of paycheck protection program and the f- First round of PPP, as I understand it, is now reopened. They, I think the last. I think the first PPP closed at the end of August. I think that's when the last applications were received. But the Appropriations Act has now reopened the Paycheck Protection Program and has introduced like a second wave of that. So, okay, so this is what I understand. And again, you're going to have to bear with us because the I did not read the full legislation because it was 5,400 pages or something. Um, so we're, we're reading, we're using different sources of uh, Uh, different research uh, channels in order to get our information, still lots and lots of reading uh, to be done. And I was listening to uh, video on it. So from what I understand about the PPP is that, so again, it's reopened. So if there are businesses that did not, either didn't apply for the paycheck protection program and think that they still qualify, or if they applied and for whatever reason, didn't take the funds, but think that they do now still qualify for the paycheck protection program uh, that is now Reopened. I actually don't don't know that I know. Did they give a specific window of time where those are open, Kirk? Did you read that?
1: For what? For people that for already the, applied?
0: For, no, for people to apply again for the PPP, for businesses to apply for the Paycheck Protection Program.
1: I don't, the, the article that I was reading did not specify.
0: Okay, yeah. And maybe they didn't specify in the legislation. Maybe it's just open... Huh. And they'll close it at another point in time. That I that I don't know, but the Paycheck Protection Program is um, it's available to. Employers that have, you know, that are, you know, it's essentially an employee retention tool that the government is using to get money in the hands of small businesses um, so that these small businesses can retain their workforce and continue to pay their workforce. So, 60% or more of the dollars that small businesses receive from the PPP need to be used on payroll and employees need to be retained in the, it was originally an eight week period of time where they, in order to, you had eight weeks in other words, just to spend the funds that you received from the PPP. I guess now they're letting employers decide if they want an eight week period of time or actually a 24 week period of time in which to spend the, that the, the funds that they receive from the PPP. So you can now can have a little bit longer to spend those funds on qualifying expenses. And actually the, the qualifying expenses are enhanced um, quite a bit for the second round of PPP, but still it's really the, pr- the primary focus there is retention of employees. You don't qualify for that loan forgiveness as an employer if you don't retain your employees for that eight week or that 24 week period of time. So it's really meant to. I I almost feel like this is just totally me, but I almost feel like this is like unemployment in a different form, right? They're trying to keep people off unemployment, but essentially they're getting—they're like circumventing unemployment and they're getting money in the hands of workers who otherwise may have been laid off right. because their companies can't support them financially because their revenue is uh, decreased or eliminated for certain periods of time. And so, I—I I, I think it's like a little bit of a roundabout way for unemployment benefits and potentially to keep economic data looking a little bit healthier. In other words, so many more millions of people aren't on unemployment because of the PPP. I don't know. That's just totally me speculating, but. Well, I think um, it's, I
1: mean, I think it's helping, it's helping, you know, smaller businesses hopefully stay in business. Um, I mean, a lot, some, a lot of, you know, a lot of companies rely on their employees to keep, keep things going. And if, and if they can't afford to you know, pay them, um, you know, because of, you know, reduced income, or, um, and then they have to let, you know, let them go and, and, or, you and, and, or shut their doors. And I mean, and that just, you know, will have a huge, you know, trickle down effect on, you know, on, on, unemployment and other things. So this is, you know, hopefully preventing unemployment and, and yeah. keep keeping people in business and try to get them through this, through this tough time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The Appropriations Act enhances the PPP in terms of the expenses that are now allowed to be paid using ppp funds uh the cares act was a little bit more restrictive i believe the cares act you could only use ppp funds for payroll rent utilities in your in your place of business and there was something about part of a mortgage maybe maybe interest on a mortgage, but not principal if you owned the business. Anyway, it was a little bit, it was more restrictive in terms of what PPP funds could be used for. Uh, But the Appropriations Act expands that. Um, And there are a few new categories of acceptable ways, acceptable expenses to use the PPP funds. One of them is some operations expenditures, payments for business software or cloud computing service that facilitates business operations, product or service delivery, processing, payment, or tracking of payroll expenses, human resources, accounting, tracking. So so essentially, I think that's geared toward uh, software that your business can use to facilitate work from home or, you know, work from remote spaces. So those are now acceptable operations expenditures. One one of them that's interesting in, that's in here, Kirk, I don't know if you read this, was expenses related to property damage, <clears throat> property damage and vandalism yep. or looting due to public disturbances that occurred in 2020 that was not covered by insurance or other compensation, which is so awful given all the, there was a lot of property damage yeah. this year related to all the riots and stuff. It's, it's again, that's of the things. it's like so awful that it has to be in there, but, but lovely that it's in
1: there for many businesses who, Here, I, who yeah, can f- take advantage of it. I found uh, one, basically what you've said, but just a little more um, succinct, I guess it says borrowers are still required to spend at least 60% of the loan proceeds on payroll while the balance can yeah. be used for rent, mortgage interest, utilities and newly added eligible expenses including worker protection expenses uh, expenses such as uh, you know yeah. personal protection equipment covered property damage costs covered supplier costs and operating costs including cloud computing and accounting services
0: Yeah. So still you can only use 40% of your PPP funds on these other, you know, maintaining your business type expenses, 60% or more needs to be used on payroll. And like I said, there was the first round of the PPP was such that businesses had to spend these funds in an eight week period of time in order to qualify for the loan forgiveness and had to there was some fine, like, there was some fine print on this, but essentially had to maintain their workforce for that eight-week period of time. I think I think they were allowing like very slight reductions in compensation, but they were putting some some strict limits on that. You couldn't like you know cut your workers' pay by half or something and, and and still keep them on the books. There was it was very strict with regard to how much you had to pay them relative to their prior income. But now with this with this second round of PPP, they're allowing employers to choose if they. Want Want to spend the funds over an eight-week period of time or a 24-week period of time? So that's almost six months, I guess. The so so if so for employers choosing a 24-week period of time, they have longer to spend the funds, which maybe that's easier for them. They, they 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 are not under as much pressure to spend the funds in a short period of time, but they do have to maintain that workforce for a longer period of time. Right. So that's the flip. That's the flip side of that. I so again, so what I was reading is that you know for for any small businesses that did not uh, receive PPP funds the first round, they if they still think that they qualify, there was a hardship and, and they feel they still qualify, they can now go back and reapply. Um, but now there's this like second round of PPP where even businesses that received PPP funds in the first round, they can apply for the second round if they can show a drop in income in any quarter of 2020, as compared to the same quarter of 2019. So if there was any quarter where your small business revenue in 2020 was 25% or more less as compared to that same quarter in 2019, then you potentially qualify for the second round of PPP. Yeah, um, I believe it's the same two and a half times average monthly expenses. And there's a little bit of a uh, there for a, uh, for a restaurant or food services related. Oops.
1: Yeah. There's what a, me, uh, I... it says the, uh, the new loans are capped at $2 million. I'm not sure what the, uh, the cap was on the, on the old ones. Um,
0: I think it was t- 10 million.
1: Okay. So yes, it was it's,
0: huge. So they're so yeah. really, really going after the smaller, right. uh, the smaller businesses here. And actually what I was reading, um, I saw a really interesting chart that it took some data from the first round of pay Check protection program, and it, uh, it it showed graphically what uh, size loans. Were written, so in other words, very small businesses, you know, receiving loans of under fifty thousand dollars. So if, if fifty thousand dollars is two and a half times your uh, your monthly revenue, then your annual revenue is for your for this small business is like a quarter million dollars or less, right? So that's a pretty small small business. Or you know, if you're receiving a hundred thousand dollars, then your annual revenue of this small business is what about a half a million? Something in that range. So, so the, it really actually, this chart I looked at was that 68% of the PPP loans written in the first round, 60, more than 68% of them were for fifty thousand dollars or less so the vast majority of the PPP loans that were written were for the smallest of the small businesses and only let's say less than two percent of the loans written were for more than two million dollars so the very large you know businesses with you know million uh, what is that 10 15 20 million dollars uh, in revenue the the vast majority you know that was the vast minority of the PPP loans written. So, I you know I, I I think that those statistics are probably made Congress very happy, and that they I think that their intent of the PPP was to really help the mom and pop shops and the small local businesses. And and based on this data, that's really what happened. So in and, and so again, sixty eight percent of the loans were for fifty thousand dollars or less, meaning that's a pretty small small business. And And 80, what is that? 81 or 82% of them were for less than $100,000. So um, really the, in terms of the number of loans written, of course, the dollars are different because- you know, even if it was a small amount of large loans that were written, it's still a lot of dollars, but the vast majority of the number of businesses that applied and received the PPP funds were those small local main street businesses, which, you know, like, I don't know, it puts a little bit of a smile on my face because that's what, co- I think that's what Congress was really, they were really trying to, that's who they were really trying to help. And of course, I don't have the statistics about how many of them are still open. Of course, that's that's an awful thing to think about yeah. too, but but that, that's, you know, the help was being given where they were intending to give and and arguably who needed it the most. So, so what they did with the second round of PPP was that they reduced the cap on, so they're going after even, they're, they're basically eliminating those very large businesses to get very large amounts. And there weren't many of them anyway. And I don't know if, you know, you you may recall, or people may recall there were some large businesses that qualified for PPP, got some pretty bad press, you know, earlier this year for taking those funds. I, I think whether you agree with that or not, uh, they received some bad press, and there were some big companies that you know proceeded with giving the money back, uh, you know, for public relations reasons. I'm sure, and um, and but yeah, I, I think again, like I said, I think the intent was to really help those small shops, and and that's what happened. So yes, the the amount, the cap on the amount that people can that businesses can be awarded for the second PPP is lower but it's not going to aff- they're not lowering it so much to affect really any of the small businesses that benefited from it the first time we have about I've, we
1: have got two minutes here before the break okay I also so I know on the as part of this new plan uh, self-employed individuals are eligible uh, for this okay. plan, yep. uh, including you know sole proprietors so if you're you know even if you really if you're self-employed and don't have any employees, yeah, this is something you could potentially qualify for, uh, yeah. just to keep your yeah. own, you know, individual
0: business uh, going. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note is that they made a special exception in the appropriations act for food. Is the, is the actual title "food services"? Yeah, food services businesses are actually eligible for a bit more. Um, other businesses are eligible for two and a half times month average monthly payroll food services businesses are eligible for three and a half times average monthly payroll. And I think there was one other thing about food services businesses. Oh, they lower, you could have more employees if you're a food services businesses. They lowered the cap for the second round of PPP from 500 employees to 300 employees, but they didn't lower that cap for food services businesses. So you could still have 400 employees in your food services business and still apply for the second round of PPP. So they made a special exception for restaurants and food services. Um, Okay, so that uh, signals break time. You're listening to McNamara on on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. We are digesting the Appropriations Act, which is the second stimulus. We're taking a break and we'll be right back. And we are back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on money, educating the investors of the South shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy new year, everyone. Um, we are, Kirk and I are talking about the appropriations act this morning. I was not as excited about it as I was hoping to be. But again, I, I suppose we shouldn't have expected. I don't know if, what I expected really, but, um, but I guess as it just as it pertains to our business, there's not like as many cool things in it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Some of the stuff that they, th-
1: yeah, that they let people do last year, there has has gone away. Um, yeah. yeah. As far as things that, retirement type things, things yeah
0: things that sort of made our conversations with clients this year a little bit more interesting. Uh, Those have gone by the wayside, but uh, life, life, hopefully reverting back to normal here in 2021 or some sense of normal in very many ways, right? Financial being one of them, hopefully. All right. So we're talking about the Appropriations Act, which is the second stimulus package. We went through some of the big uh, highlights, which was the rebate checks coming. The second round of rebate checks, a bit smaller, about half, the size of the first rebate check, a bump on unemployment benefits, uh, second round of paycheck protection program for small businesses. So then there's just some other small little things that we can touch on. I think we sort of covered the big big ones um, so far. Uh, We did talk about employers' ability to help their employees with student loans, uh, debt in a very tax efficient manner. And then there's a couple like small little ones. Like for example, there's one in there about... Did you read the one about extending the uh, flexible spending account deadline for using those dollars? So, so some people, yeah,
1: because no, did you read about that? Trying to pull it up here, but like normally, so like a flexible, this is like an FSA, right?
0: An FSA, right, flexible spending account, which is different from a health savings account or an HSA, an HSA is you have to have a high deductible uh, health plan and you can put money into an HSA and money in an HSA has always been able to roll forward indefinitely. You can even invest those funds, you can roll them forward into your retirement and use them to pay medical expenses at any point in your future. That, that has always been the case with an HSA, but you can only have an HSA if you have um, a, a high deductible health plan Oh, And I didn't look up high deductible health plan. I think your deductible has to be what over two or $3,000 for an individual or something and over four or $5,000 for a a married couple. I actually, I didn't, I didn't look at that before today's show, Um, but an FSA or a flexible spending account, that is a different animal in which you had with an FSA, you've always had to spend all of the dollars in the FSA by twelve thirty one of the ta- of that tax year. So you would only really want to put money in there that you were pretty comfortable you were going to spend. Um, so you don't want to overfund an FSA because if you did, the the, the funds uh, were not at your disposal. I actually don't I don't know where the money went. I never. I don't know where I don't know where the money went. So, um, <laughs> but it wasn't yours to spend anymore.
1: Yeah, go, going back um, going back to what you know what defines. Uh, a high deductible uh, plan. So let's see, so for 2020, the IRS says um, it's a deductible of at least $1,400 for an individual and $2,800 for a family.
0: Oh, okay. That's not that's not as high as I thought it would be, but um.
1: So that's. But yeah,
0: still a high, still a higher deductible than was like normal a decade ago, right? And, right. and those are becoming more normal now to have a high deductible health plan as the cost of health insurance has skyrocketed for employers, uh, for for everybody, but you know, especially for employers paying on behalf of employees. So part of the Appropriations Act extended the deadline for using funds in a flexible spending account. So if you have money in an FSA. Uh, F for flexible. If you have money in an FSA in left over in 2020, it, it's going to roll forward to 2021. And I think they took it one step further. And anyone that has balances in their FSA at the end of 2021, that will roll forward to 2022. And I think that's where it ends. So I think for the next two tax. For, for 20 balances rolled to 21. And this year's balance, if if any, will roll to 22. And then I think you better spend it in 22 unless something else changes.
1: Um, yeah, and I just I uh, looked up about, so the FSA, so unused money goes back to the employer who can split it among employees in the FSA plan uh, or, oh. or use it to offset the cost of administering benefits.
0: Oh, okay, so that's I, what, never, I never thought about that. That's where the,
1: money where the unused money goes.
0: Okay. One little thing about the FSA though, I think is that employee, and and by the way, I don't know how common FSAs are. I don't meet very many people who have a a flexible spending account. So I don't know how common these are, but one little note is that if you do have an FSA, you need to confirm with your employer that they are like, opting in for this provision or something. They have to somehow opt in and accept this little provision here, this little exception for the next uh, tax year. I don't think it automatically is happening. So if you have an FSA, ask your HR or your employer if they're going to opt is there a title for this, Kirk? What are they? What are they?
1: This particular. Um... Yeah,
0: I don't know if they just you asked your employer if they're opting in for the the deadline expen- extension as a result of the Appropriations Act. Um, for whatever reason, I think your employer has to opt in or somehow uh, you know confirm that they're that they're allowing their employees to take advantage of this. I don't think there's a downside. I think they're just like. I don't know a box they have to check somewhere. Yeah, the le- employer is allowing for this. So right? it looks,
1: it looks like they're referring to this as uh, Section Two Fourteen.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, it says here Section Two Fourteen also allows employers to adopt up to a twelve-month grace period for twenty twenty okay. and or twenty twenty-one <laughs> unused balances. But it looks like yeah, it says. Once again, such relief appears to be up to employers. uh, So impacted employees should inquire accordingly.
0: Yeah, I think that it's, again, I didn't read anything that there would be a reason for an employer to not adopt this, but they probably just have to, file some piece of paperwork or put something on file somewhere in their documents in this regard. So perhaps it's as simple as just reminding your employer to do that or just asking them that they're planning to do that, but don't by default assume that you're going to be able to have those balances roll. Okay. There was a couple little things in there related to education. Well, there was an education tax credit change and from what I understand, there there have always been like three different ways that people could, there's like, there were three different tax credits that were available to people that had education expenses and they basically just, the Appropriations Act is whittling that down to two, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because they're, they're increasing the amount of people that, can you still hear me? My, yep. my video dropped yeah, out. For yeah, it
1: broke out for a second, but oh, okay. I can hear you. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, okay, maybe because I, my my laptop's gonna run out of battery, but hopefully it lasts the next 19 minutes <laughs> because I think you stole the the MacBook charger. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, so you're on your own if my if I cut out. Okay. Um. So yeah, so there have always been like th- three tax credits for you know for people that were you know had education. Uh, expenses for themselves or for their dependent kids, and th- so they're they're re- they're eliminating one of them. But from my reading, uh, this is not necessarily a bad thing because more people are going to qualify for the other one. Um, so it's, this is not necessarily a bad thing. I guess they they are eliminating what they call one of the above the line deductions for tuition and uh, tuition and related expenses. They're eliminating that one, but they're allowing for more people to qualify for the lifetime learning credit. That's always been available, but the income thresholds were pretty low before, and now they're increasing those income thresholds. So now more Americans will be able to qualify for the lifetime learning tax credit. Uh, which is basically available for people that have tuition and tuition related expenses for them or for a family member, uh, for a kid, a family member. So that's on the, so they eliminated one, but I, from my understanding, it's not a bad thing, at least for most Americans. Most Americans will still be able to um, receive uh, a different credit and, and not be negatively affected by that one. Um, anything else on that one, Kirk? So that's they eliminated, just an above the line deduction, but you're still going to be able to get Many people will still be able to get the lifetime learning tax credit and another tax credit called the American Opportunity Tax Credit. I don't think there was a change made there, but that's still in existence. So there's now just two tax credits available for people with tuition expenses, not three, but apparently it won't negatively affect very many people, if anyone at all. What else do we want to cover in there? The only other couple little small things were... Hold on, where was one? Something about...
1: There was one here about... um you know, a change to medical expense deductions. I can, oh yeah, that's I can right, just, yeah. I can just read, you know, read what this little summary here. It says, um... Let's see, it says section 101 of the taxpayer certainty and disaster tax relief act of 2020 uh, provides a welcome change that tax planners have been clamoring over for the better part of a decade. Uh, It permanently restores the AGI hurdle rate for medical expenses, medical expense deductions to seven and a half percent of AGI. In recent years, the hurdle rate had oscillated between seven and a half percent of AGI and 10% of AGI. And for a while, even depended upon a taxpayer's age. Uh, now, the seven and a half percent rate is restored for all taxpayers for all future years. Uh, and then, in parentheses, it says, "or at least until Congress changes its mind and, and again and passes another law."
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I remember when this was increased to ten percent. Yeah. So basically, what that means is people people can um, deduct medical expenses um, if they exceed seven and a half percent of adjusted gross income, which as we talked about, is like almost the same thing as gross income. But in the past, there have been years, and I think it was like age dependent also in the past, where you could only deduct medical expenses if they exceeded 10% of your adjusted gross income. So that was worse because your medical expenses had to be higher relative to your income, uh, lowering it back down to that seven and a half percent threshold is better for everyone versus the ten percent threshold threshold it just means you're more likely to be able to deduct um, those medical expenses because it's a it's a lower hurdle for you to have to jump over right
1: no it, yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. so it, yeah
0: um, yeah, so I did see that one. So hopefully there will be no more uh, changes in the future because that was confusing for years there when I could never remember if it was 7.5% or 10% because it did change a few times. There was one other little one about payroll taxes. We talked a little bit about FICA taxes or payroll taxes, Social Security and Medicare taxes earlier in the show. And I actually didn't remember this, but I guess as a as a part of the CARES Act, and I, again, I didn't remember this one, but I guess as part of the CARES Act, you could an, uh, someone could delay paying for the, for, I think it was for the fourth quarter of 2020, someone could delay paying their FICA taxes and start repaying them in 2021. And they would have the first quarter of 2021 in order to repay uh, payroll taxes that they, that they didn't pay in 2020. Again, I don't know from my, from my reading, I don't know that this was super common or, or really much taken advantage of um, because that had to be facilitated through your employer and through payroll. I don't know how many people took advantage of this, but essentially they could have increased their disposable income in 2020 by eliminating or, excuse me, deferring payroll taxes, but they would have had to, but they had, whoever did that has to pay them back in 2021. They still are they still owe the government those taxes. They were just kind of kicking the can down the road. Um, and again, I don't know. How, I don't know how many people took advantage of that. I actually didn't remember that. I never heard I never talked to anyone who did that. But what the Appropriations Act did is they just made a small change regarding people paying those funds back. So uh, I guess the first law, the first legislation that passed was that people had the first I think it was the first four months of 2020 to pay that back. But now they have I'm sorry, excuse me, the first four months of 2021 to pay back those FICA taxes if you, you know, delayed them last year. Now the Appropriations Act ex- gives you the entire calendar year 2021 to pay back those payroll taxes if you deferred them at the end of last year. But again, I didn't read much that indicated that that was really widely taken advantage of other than they just referenced one employer being the federal government. I guess some federal government workers by default had their payroll taxes deferred and those people will be seeing a slight increase in FICA taxes for calendar 2021 in order to pay back those taxes from last year. So again, I don't, I did you, did you run across anyone that took advantage of that? I did not.
1: I don't from recall, last year. yeah, no, I don't recall speaking to anybody about that. Um, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, as far as I know, that was <laughs> little used, but yeah, maybe that was something, yeah. that maybe that was something that bigger, you know, bigger employers took advantage of perhaps.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And so, well, if, if so if you see a slight bump in payroll taxes for this year, um and I'm not I'm not actually sure I don't know how many people would notice that I guess you know maybe notice your paycheck changing although many people's paycheck changes at the beginning of the year anyway for like cost of living adjustments hopefully people get cost of living adjustments most years anyway and
1: Yeah I don't, um, I, don't know but about, but anyway, I don't know about this year but yeah
0: we'll see yeah, yeah I don't know yeah Yeah and like the one other thing that I have here on my notes about um uh, provision of the Appropriations Act was, um, oh, the CARES Act um, had a small little provision in there, re- literally small in terms of dollars regarding um, an above the line deduction for charitable contributions. Above the line deduction is meaning you can have that deduction even if you don't itemize. So people that take a standard deduction could still take an above this above the line deduction for charitable contributions, but it was so small. The CARES Act created this, but it was so small three hundred dollars per tax return. So you know, yes, encouraging people to give money to charities uh, this year, um, but a pretty small tax credit of three hundred bucks per tax return. so that was created by the cares act for calendar 2020 the appropriations act extended that through 2021 and i think one small change that they made is for married couples they could double the credit to 600 bucks i think the original uh the cares act and the original creation of this year was it was just 300 per tax return now for a married couple filing jointly they can double it to 600 for 2021 but still like not incredibly newsworthy there, given the relatively small um, dollars involved. That's a pretty small tax credit, um, in many, in my opinion, and many people's opinion. There was what one else there. Yeah, Is there, there was one know? other
1: thing that they mentioned. Although it actually, they didn't go too too much in the detail, and it doesn't happen actually. Um, uh, go into effect for a couple of years, but it was talking about the, you know, the application for financial aid, uh, for, you know, for college. And- Oh, the
0: FAFSA, that's right.
1: Yeah. So basically it was there just It was just saying they're going to simplify, uh, the FAFSA, um, which stands for the free application for federal student aid. Um, but it's, it's not going to take effect until July of 2023. Um, so it really doesn't happen for two years, but, um, basically they're, they're just going to Simplify the the form uh, and the process, which I, you know, yeah, although, although I have that's not. That's so
0: great. I,
1: I mean, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone so through great. it myself, but I know that it's uh, pretty daunting. Um, it says here that, like, currently on the FAFSA, there's 108 questions, um, on, on the current form. Um, and they, they don't, they don't saying what the new number is, but they say it's going to be substantially, uh, reduced. Um, and so they're going to try to make that, that process a little bit, a little bit easier. Um, you know, going, going forward. It also says for people, you know, people, uh, students who receive the Pell grants well. Basically, it's going to reduce. You know, basically, going to change things so that you know their expected contribution is going to have a certain amount, uh, basically by default, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of makes that whole process uh, a lot easier. So That's does-
0: fantastic, and I it, but thank you for that. I did read about that, and I, it struck me as such a random thing to be in this act because everything else was sort of related to, you know, stimulus and uh, increased tax credits and getting money into businesses and and people's hands. This this one was like so random.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Um, Well, I guess it's kind of, but it also kind of goes into people that, you know, people that have, you know, less income. uh, It's basically going to really simplify that process for them um, as far as what they're you know what they're going to be expected to pay, um, and you know just really streamline the process.
0: Yeah, well, that is good coming mid twenty twenty three, right? Yeah. So for um, yeah, for for seniors that are graduating in twenty three and entering school fall of twenty three, um, that'll be an easier application the FAFSA, and they're changing some of the language in that as well. But that that's good, from what I understand. Again, our kids are young. We haven't gone through that process yet, but...
1: um, Well, now it's going to be so much easier.
0: (laughs) It's going to be... Yeah, it's... I think from what I understand, that is really a complicated application. And I I know there are professionals that, you know, made part of their living anyway by helping people fill out the FAFSA. So it could be quite complicated. So that's great. One other little uh, little note for small businesses, uh, as a part of the Appropriations Act, they made it so that small businesses can deduct 100% of meal expenses for as long as the food or beverage was provided by a restaurant. So this is a little benefit for small businesses who are spending some money at local restaurants. So trying to help the restaurant and the food industry there a little bit um, and giving uh, businesses a little bit of a tax benefit um, for spending money at local restaurants. So previously, I believe meals, uh, meals were deductible by a small business. Um, Gosh, I wish we had a CPA here with us today, but I believe meals were previously 50% deductible. And now they are as part of the uh, CARES Act uh, I'm sorry. Sorry, the Appropriations Act for 2021 and 2022. It looks like meals expenses um, that a that a business incurs will be 100 percent deductible as long as I think the actual language in the bill is as long as. Uh, they're 100% deductible for food or beverages provided by a restaurant. It doesn't say at a restaurant. It says by a restaurant. So theoretically, takeout and things um, uh, would still qualify. Like I know, you know, back when uh, Kirk, back when we were, at, you know, at the office in a normal capacity yeah, earlier this I d- year. I don't. No, past I don't. Years, I don't. I don't remember. I know, it's been so long. You know, we we were in the habit of providing lunch for our staff once a week and that's really fun and rotating local restaurants where we would take out. And so that's, so we do that anyway and hopefully we'll continue to do that. And, um, but that's a little bit of an incentive for a business to support um, other local businesses, which is great. Did I hear the music already? No. Oh, I thought I I was like, wait, we have, we still have four or five more minutes, right? Yeah, but I mean, so it's,
1: I mean, it sounds, so I I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're just trying to, trying to kind of promote this so that people are going to hopefully, um, use business, uh, use, uh, restaurants who are, who are hurting. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, uh,
0: they're, they're trying to support the food industry here, which yeah, is so having a real tough time. Yeah, yeah. So a
1: tax, a tax benefit for, you know, supporting your, you know, local restaurants and things, which is, which is great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that's that's everything I had on my notes for the Appropriations Act of 2021, which was passed right here before Christmas. Um, that This is the second stimulus package. Um, just really quick, we went over this at the very beginning, but notably, um, what's missing from the Act is waiver of required minimum distributions. So it looks, unless there's another stimulus passed or more legislation, uh, it looks that required minimum distributions will be required in 20. Twenty-one. Uh, that's certainly notable for our business and for our clients. Um, again, who knows what will happen later this year, but as of right now, required distributions are allowed. I'm sorry, are, they are, are going requ- are to be required. required. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was missing. That was something that kind of like we were on the edge of our seat, you know, is that going to be in there? Is it not going to be in there? Um, but uh, let's face it, the government needs some tax revenue because they're shelling out billions of dollars and um, or trillions. What would, I forget the tag on the fir- on the the, uh, the price tag on the first stimulus. Um, but they're shelling out a lot of money, and it's, they're going to need some tax revenue to yeah. To it's, pay more
1: mo- tax. it's more money than I can yeah. comprehend. Yeah,
0: it's more zeros than I really than I can uh, fit on the line of paper. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but there's some, you know, a bump up and unimplo- an enhancement of unemployment benefits. There's another round of stimulus checks that apparently are gonna be starting here uh, come in this coming week. And um, so many, many Americans uh, will benefit from from those in particular. And um, so, so that's great. I, I didn't think that we were gonna see anything until after the new president um, took office. So I think <clears throat> I personally was quite surprised that it came before the holidays and um, so, uh, so that's great, but it happens sooner and people can get some money in their pockets a little bit sooner. So
1: the, um, um, yeah, the other one, the other one here, the other kind of n- notable uh, missing item was the the unwanted uh, RMDs from last year. Um, you know, so last year, some people had taken out their, you know, required distributions, um, we got about two minutes, Alyssa uh, okay. before, you know, before they, the CARES Act was uh, introduced. And so, um, you know, they were able Their first, at first there was a 60 day rollover period uh, where they could put the money back into their IRAs if they decided they didn't need or want that money. Um, and then, um, you know, they allowed to, them to do it up until um, August 31st uh, was basically the last day that somebody could put that money back in. Um, and that was something, you know, that, you know, again, you know, related to the RMDs for this year, um, you know, maybe perhaps hoping that that would be extended, but it, but it was not. Um, right. so that basically has, you know, that did expire on August 31st and, uh, has not been, uh, been extended any further.
0: There's the music. I hear it now. Uh, all right, well thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to McNamara on Money. You can catch our podcast on your podcast app. Search McNamara on Money. Uh, we take all of our live shows and we turn turn them into podcasts for any shows that you miss. Um you can find out more about us at McNamara dot com or McNamara of the dot com. Um, I hope you enjoyed that show today about the Appropriations Act. I think this is going to be great for a lot of Americans that are struggling. Um, And everyone, uh, enjoy the weekend. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye.